Welcome to the Insta Mama Show. Hi, this is Rachel. And this is Natalie. And, and we, we are the Insta Mamas. We are sisters with a podcast where we talk about everything from adoption, foster care, healthy, clean living, motherhood, and, and everything, everything in between. Thanks for listening. Happy Mother's Day. Oh, I, you know what, Natalie? Legit, I woke up yesterday and it's like three days to Mother's Day, you know, and I was like, hey, did you know that it's Mother's Day? And my husband, I think I don't. He's like, yeah, uh, I, I knew. Uh, what do you want to do for Mother's Day? And I really think that our family just totally forgot that Mother's Day is coming. I up. feel like it just like jumped up on us. And normally we record the podcast a little bit earlier than we produce them. But like this time we're like, we have to get one out. So this is our Mother's Day episode. And we thought we would just talk about the different types of mothers and we started writing out the different types of mothers and it's like a really long list so we're not going to be able to get into every single type of mom um but kind of the general you know i feel like something i appreciate our church does is they talk about spiritual mothers as well as act like your physical mother and as adoptive mothers we know that you don't need biology to be connected to someone in a mother-daughter relationship oh, yeah. or a mother-child relationship. It's just so natural for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, we are going to talk about all those things. But we wanted to start by talking about the original Instamama, our mama. Yeah. So, um, gosh, she listens. But you, a lot of you guys have heard her on the episode before. She talked about TBRI, but her name's Rose. And we just wanted to kind of talk about some, a couple funny stories and then also just like what she means to us as our mom and what she's taught us and things that we didn't appreciate about her until we were mothers. Yes. I think one thing that just always sticks out to me is that she was a mom to us and she was also a mom to all of our friends. And some of our friends didn't come from the best homes. You know, some of our friends didn't even have a mom. And even though she was strict and kept a tight schedule and... um, And she would have loved... To have a perfectly clean house. Oh, yeah. And you just can't when you have a million teenagers running around. Yeah. And even though she made a rule, like, one granola bar after school, and so the teenagers want to eat, like, a whole box of granola bars. And at the time, I used to think that was crazy. But then when I had a bunch <laughs> of teenagers coming over after school, when we were fostering, all of a sudden, I called my mom up one day, and I said, Mom, what do I feed all these kids? They're eating me out of house and home. <laughs> And she's so smart, though. She's like, oh, you know what you do? She's like, you get go to Costco, get a big bag of tortilla chips, and get a big bag of popcorn. And I was like, oh. And, and it's gone in a day. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's crazy. So so she had she got married at age 19. Oh, and my she, goodness. by the time she was 28, she had six children. Mm. And no doubles, no twins, just, and we're all, we were all girls. We still are. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, well, I say that because then later they adopted our little brother, but for the yeah. longest time, it was the six girls and, mm-hmm. um, our parents, you know, obviously it's mother's day, but they both sacrificed so much so that we could have really nice lives. I didn't think about it, but every year we had brand new clothes, brand new shoes, um, are you know we we had really nice things we had a nice home but i didn't realize how much of a sacrifice it was how hard they worked and when times were hard you know mom would go clean houses and Mm -hmm. um or she would say you know i have holes in my clothes um well (laughs) i don't know if this will embarrass her but she's like i have holes in my underwear so my kids don't and yeah (laughs) i know and like now i'm like oh my gosh like i get it and 
I only have one child and it's so expensive and I can't imagine like she was always clipping coupons and waiting in line and mm-hmm. doing the 5 a.m. sales so that we could have a nice life. Yeah. Oh, and it, even giving us such nice birthday parties. It's funny. You see birthday parties nowadays. They have they end up being like these huge expensive things. And my mom was always able to do things on a budget. And our birthday parties were so fun. And kids would be talking about it for weeks at school. Like, oh, that mm-hmm. birthday party was so fun. I mean, even little simple things. How she one of the games she'd play at the birthday party was hide the presents. And so all the kids would hide the presents. And the birthday girl would have to go find them all and everybody loved that that's a free game like she literally did not do that that's a really good i know game. now that our girls are getting old enough we could but i mean like that's a free game you don't have to have any supplies for it mm-hmm. and it entertains the kids and i remember that being so much fun and so she really didn't i mean i don't even remember there being really decorations on her birthday parties or i'm sure you know, there would our mom can like take a paper towel roll and make it into like a beautiful centerpiece yeah but so. i mean like they weren't like these big giant shindigs but the kids had so much fun she was so good at knowing how to have fun on a budget and I I mean we had a lot of fun as kids and it's hard because I talk to my mom nowadays sometimes and she'll talk about oh well I wish I would have done this differently or I wish I would have done this differently but I think about my mother how brave she was even coming from her background and how she was raised and then raising her children and saying well I'm going to do it this way and the things that she's overcome things that she was healing from while being a mother and now that I am a mother and there's things that I do that I regret and I'm like oh man I wish I wouldn't have done that you know sometimes you snap and you yell at your kiddo when they well I never <laughs> okay I, I might have done it this when they do the same thing over and over and over again that you've asked them not to but can you imagine she had four toddlers at the same time i know and four was it three of us were in high school at the same time four no five no okay so you me natalie so you shay worked at the high school she was oh yeah our sister was Was a speech and debate coach so she was still there so there was like four of us at the high school at the same time and then a middle schooler so she had like all of us were teenagers almost around the same time i mean talk about the bratty level and I'm just think she had so much patience and yeah, I know that we always can find things that we regret, but I think that she did amazingly with the things that she had. Yeah. I even think about like our proms and she would make our corsages and that's right. She got her floral license and she did weddings for people and funerals for people and she would just charge cost. Oh my gosh. You know, she her bouquets charge. were just gorgeous. If you ever go on our pri- profiles and look at our wedding bouquets, like that's her knockout bouquets. They were always so pretty. Well, and that's what, and our parents were pastors for a long time. And what people don't realize is like, yeah, dad got a salary, but mom didn't. But she still worked for the church more than full time. Oh, yeah. Her like, life was at the church. You know, she did all the shopping for the church. She planned all the VBSs. She made all the crafts. Like, I mean, even replacing like toilet paper. You don't think about that. But my mom, she did that. We'd be all of a sudden out running errands. Oh, I need to get toilet paper for the church. It's like, Mom, how do you have that information in your head? I can't remember to buy toilet paper for my own house. I know. I'm like, bring the tissues. (laughs) But, uh, well, it's funny too because like, Dad could not even buy Mom a birthday present on the, like, their card because she could look at the bank statement and say, oh, this costs twenty one ninety five. Well, if he got this perfume at Macy's with tax and a sale price, this is how much it would cost. She could, like, 
Yeah, he never could surprise her. She could totally be on the prices right. Like, I mean, she would know. That's true. She'd learn like no to the penny. And she like helps my youngest sister. She'll help her budget sometimes. And one time I was over at her house and she calls my sister and she's like, why were you getting, why were you at this donut place at midnight on like tells the day? And my sister's like, and she's a police officer, you know, and she's like, I swear I was not getting donuts. Like, it's a donut place, but they have other things. Like, I'm not your typical police officer officer who's getting donuts at midnight (laughs) but yeah I just love yeah her oh my gosh her attention to detail because that's something I really did not inherit yeah and so I don't know I I appreciate it I can imagine how hard it was and um you know we nobody's perfect everyone makes mistakes but I feel like our mom just loves people and gives her whole heart Mm -hmm. and um, you were telling a story before we started recording. Oh yeah. So she had this young adult lady that was just like embarking on her journey of young adult. And my mom was mentoring her and teaching her how to cook and just teaching her life skills. She had come from kind of a hard background where she didn't yeah. learn a lot of those things growing up. And so then my mom did this beautiful thing. She made her a whole devotional with like Bible stories and her notes and her thoughts and she, and recipes and, and recipes. how to live. Yeah. Oh, it was beautiful. And then she even took pictures of the girl and her family and put it throughout the book. Well, she didn't put it throughout the book. She brought me the material. And Valen told you? Yeah. And said, can you make this book for my friend? I was thinking, oh, yeah, sure, I can put it together. But as I was putting it together, what t- would have taken me like an hour ended up being like four hours because my mom would be like, mm-hmm. Do you think the font is really needs to be that? Oh, can you move that picture just a little bit? Oh, I don't think that's centered all the way. And I'm like, man, she's a perfectionist. Yeah, and her that's why things turn out beautiful for her. But I was like, oh my gosh, this is so nice of you doing this for her. I'm gonna lose my mind. Like, I told Rachel, I'm like, your rewards in heaven. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, bless that young girl so much. And uh, I think about um, things that used to annoy us about mom when we were younger, and now I'm so glad. We were just talking about it yesterday about how kids are in so many activities. Yeah. And how they, you heard, was it a mom? Oh, it was, I was watching this. Not judging. Yeah, definitely not judging. I was watching this Trying not to judge. This mom, like, makes her kids lunch every day and she posts a picture of it. And I don't know why I like watching her make her kids lunch. There's something weird in me, I guess, that finds that entertaining. And so she said this whole long thing, like, oh, my daughter's in ballet and baseball and she's in art class. And so she's in a lot of activities because she likes to be kept busy after school. And she's like, but she just came to me and said, mom, I I just am too tired to go to school I'm not feeling sick I don't know I need a mental health day this is a first grader needing a mental health and so she's of course talking about the importance of mental health but in my mind I was like oh my gosh take away an activity like yeah you shouldn't have so many activities that your kid can't even go to school because they're exhausted I know and that's something mom made us do in high school was she sat us down and she said write down everything you do in a week and then she said, circle the things you can't get rid of. You have to sleep. You have to go to school. Yeah. You you know, and I think we had jobs at the time. So we had yeah. to go to our certain jobs. She's like, everything else, what can you cut? One thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't cut it. You know, and it was, but then I remember being in college and being able to be like, nope, I don't want to do that. Because in college, you literally could do something every minute of every day. And Mm -hmm. there's a reason why a bunch of freshmen fail their first semester. And it's not because they aren't smart. It's because they did everything. They like socially, they were experimenting with all these things. And I think, you know, we weren't perfect and we still like 
did more activities than we probably should. And I think teenagers should be so busy they don't have time to do it. Busy with positive things. Yeah. They shouldn't they shouldn't have time to mess around. But um we were burning ourselves out by doing too many things. And even my senior year of high school, I had to choose between being the president of the student body or being in this elite choir that I had like trained for since I was in seventh grade. Oh yeah. I oh I forgot. You gave that up. See that wouldn't give and, up anything for the choir, but But you were going to be a music major the next year. <laughs> it made sense. But I was looking at my future and I was like, you know, I wanna do I wanna be a teacher probably. I didn't know for sure back then if I wanted to be a teacher. But I was like, I knew I wanted to do something in leadership and I knew I knew it would be better for my future to do that and that I could do more good for my school and I gave up something I loved. I absolutely loved choir, but then your senior year kind of got to be my last year, and we had a, we got to do a song together, and yeah, you know. But it was this elite choir that you had to come at um, zero hour. We'd have to leave our house at like six in the morning to be there to dance and sing at seven in the morning, mm-hmm. and and, um, and we used to have to run up and down the risers while singing oh, yeah. to do warm up. But Rachel would fall up and down the risers. <laughs> yeah, I trip almost every single time. I'm like, why can't I run up and down but these I risers? I remember I was having our it, it connects back to our mom. Believe me. But she was like, you have to choose. Like, you can't do everything. And I'm glad I learned that lesson at 17. And I mean, you don't, I didn't, I still learn it today. There's mm. things. But it's so much easier for me to say no to things, um, you know. And, like, we plan to have days where we don't do anything in our family. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And Yeah. And then our weddings. I just think about how much effort we didn't have a lot of money to spend on a wedding. Yeah. And but my mom literally like negotiated the price of my wedding dress. And <laughs> what is so and funny? It wasn't she's in, like, like a market or like in a consignment. It shop. was like at David's bridal, and she said, "You know how many bridesmaids dresses I've bought from here? Do you know I've already had three weddings and bought three wedding dresses from she here? Six like, kids, she's six like girls. you can. I bought prom dresses from here. Like, I was like, she's like, know? and I'm like, she's like, you're gonna give me the sale price, or I'm walking." <laughs> And I'm like, Mom, this isn't like a market in Jamaica. This is a, a department store type place. And But the lady gave her a deal and then gave 75% off my veil, too. Well, oh, yeah. Well, for my wedding, we had, like, the folding chairs that you bought, and they, like, upgraded her. And I don't even know. I remember my mother-in-law was like, I just enjoyed going everywhere with your mom today because, you know, she had a coupon for this and a coupon for that. And then somehow we got upgraded for the chairs and paid less than we were originally going to pay for. Oh, my gosh. And so if you I ended up having really nice chairs at my wedding that would have been like twice as expensive when we originally were going to have 75 cent a piece chairs which is still expensive when you get 200 chairs but yeah for renting them or whatever mm-hmm. but oh my gosh if you want to be entertained watch our mom uh, dispute credit card charges that's oh a hoot. My goodness oh yeah my gosh <laughs> and our dad is so non-confrontational and our mom is so confrontational so it's funny that they like and sometimes even as a kid being a teenager i'd be like oh my gosh i can't believe she's going at this with the lady at the store but then she'd get the discount and i'd be like wow and she was never rude about it she wasn't yeah. a karen oh my gosh yeah, no but she... it just it's like that's how she raised six girls and were able to clothe them and put them in sports and put them in special activities and mm-hmm. um have a nice home and you know not like i'm sure she worried about those things but we never went hungry you know what i mean it's just and our friends didn't either you know i hosting people as an adult i'm like 
it's really vulnerable to have people in your home all the time. Yeah. You know, and they had exchange students every single year, and that's vulnerable too. Someone comes and sees your good, your bad, and your ugly. And the fact that our parents were so hospitable, and mom had a lot to do with that because, you know, she kept the home most of the time. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, she was like, you know, this is kind of our mess. This is us. Yeah. We aren't perfect, but we love each other. And when we do hurt each other, we try to make it better. And we're all healing from some form of childhood trauma, whether we like it or not. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it. I say it's traumatic being born. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like all of us are figuring it out and... But yeah, they, I, I don't know. We've been talking about mom for 16 minutes, but I just appreciate you, mom. I know you're probably listening and fact checking us, but (laughs) we love you. We love that you're a perfectionist. We love that you, you worked tirelessly. She worked for months to prepare for both of our weddings and did it on a serious budget. And, and I told her what I wanted and then she made it 10 times more beautiful than I, I could have imagined. And my wedding was not easy. I had a Disney princess slash superhero themed wedding. And you would think that would be, what's that word? Che- like chintzy? Yeah, you'd think it would be or, super cheesy. Or kitschy. Kitschy, yeah. But it was elegant. Like, how do you elevate Disney princes and superheroes? Like, Yeah, she like went to thrift stores for months and she found like a motherboard of a computer and she used that for like the Iron Man table and she like made it like really like interesting and and like artistic instead of like a cheesy kid superhero party yeah it was just so elegant and she and each table was different like at least most weddings you're like okay here's the design i'm gonna get like 21 vases that all match this and 21 flowers she had different flower arrangements different yeah the Pocahontas table, and she helped us each find dresses that matched the theme. It was such, it was, it was, you know, it was sweet. And you guys wanted kids to be, you know, comfortable at your wedding. Yeah, and we it had was, like, it little, was a really fun wedding. We told people they had like little girls they could dress up in like their Disney princess dresses and stuff. And so, I mean, I don't know. I think that was, I don't know, sacrifice and, you know, love and our mother showed love by gifts and doing acts of service for us and um we didn't we've talked about christmas a bunch on this podcast but yeah the christmases she made special but anyways on this mother's day mom we love you so much and um i know there's been some hard times in our family we're going to talk a little bit more about it um well and even as we've grown older and we've gone i know there's been times especially in my young adult years when i brought my mom so much heartache because I was not living a Christian life and I was just going off and doing my own thing, dating a bunch of different guys that were all named Josh. <laughs> I can't say their names, but yeah, I dated guys with the same name and it was not on purpose. It just happened to be that way. But I grieved. She has a thing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it grieved my mother, like yeah, to have to see that us. and to see me. And I remember one time, like, We were sitting at like a Zips booth and I was telling her like some things that were happening and I was being like this young adult who like, mom, I'm going to make all these own, um, all my own decisions and this is what I'm doing right now. And I remember my mom just breaking down in this Zips, like as I'm telling her, my heart being like, 
oh, wow, these these choices that I'm making for my life are really affecting and grieving her too. And that's part of being a mom. And so we kind of are, I guess the next thing we can kind of transition into is kids who don't have a close relationship with their mom and are moms who don't have a close relationship with their kids. And you know, the first type of mom. Start with a sad one, but estranged. Yeah. Or not even just estranged, but difficult relationships. Yeah. Because um, I'm... I feel very close to my mom. I feel like I can tell her anything and and she I know I say my mom but she's our mom. Yeah, but we do have siblings who don't talk to our mother and you would think like, "Oh, you were raised the same, you were treated the same, like how could that happen?" But relationships are complicated. And once you're adults, it it goes both ways. Like I have to I like look and be like, "Oh my gosh, I haven't called my mom in a month." Mm-hmm. And and part of it is like me, I have to work to keep that relationship yeah. healthy too. And so, um, oh gosh, if you're in a estranged relationship and it, maybe it's it's not healthy. I know some friends of ours through the adoption community and they were saying um, how they've had to not be in relationship. This makes me cry. It makes me so sad with, with her mother because um, the, grand, the grandmother would only give gifts to the biological children in the mm. family and the adoptive children would ignore them and wouldn't see them as a full grandchild and they'd kind of treat them like um you just should be happy that you've been adopted and and wouldn't accept them and and adoption is is a complicated thing but we believe that there is no difference and the law says it too that when you adopt a child there's no it's as if they've been biologically born to you that was my favorite thing they said at our adoption it's as if this child has been biologically born to you sorry Mm -hmm. I hit the table because she hit the gavel Rachel is a a hand well we're both hand talkers but and I have seen that in the foster care community as well where people have had to stop being in relationship with their mothers with kind of the same thing I had a friend who they didn't want the foster kids to be in the family photos like they all got together and took family photos in their life. and the grandmother was like I told the daughter I don't want to be I don't want your foster kids to be in the photo because they're just going to be leaving anyways and that is heartbreaking to me because how we saw it if you go back and look at Lewis and I's family photos they are so diverse there's even a year where Lewis isn't in the photo because mm. we were going through a separation and days away from divorce. So I have a family photo where he's not even in it. But that was our... And that, you didn't delete those ones. But that was our life at the time. Yeah. And all the family photos with all the different kids. And it's sad sometimes to see him be like, oh man, I miss those kids. But that's who your family was at the time. So for me, because I mean, this is kind of a topic where I've heard people say like, well, yeah, why would you want kids in your photo that aren't part of your family? But it's like at that moment, in time those kids are part of your family maybe they won't be later now i can kind of see if somebody's like dating somebody and you're like i don't want your boyfriend i know i was like yeah. i don't want the boyfriend especially he's like the third one this month he's <laughs> yeah. not gonna be in but the family also because photo. your future husband is gonna be one day part of that family and he doesn't want to look at pictures of your ex-boyfriend and all your family photos <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean so i it can go both ways and so but for me i feel like this these kids are part of your family at this time. Well, our parents did that too with our exchange students. Mm-hmm. I would look back and I like before I could remember. We have, you know, I'm a baby and there's a random Japanese girl holding me, and she'd be yeah. like, "Oh, that's so and so," because at that time in our family, she was our in our family, and I loved that about our family. And I didn't realize till I was grown up how special that is. Yeah, it's not, um, and you know, there's some guarding you can do, like. 
like you said, like, yeah, maybe the boyfriend you just started dating a week ago, maybe he <laughs> yeah. can be in the family photos when you're engaged or yeah. something. But, you know, there's there's balance, too, and it's not like, oh, I met this homeless guy on the side of the road, and he's going to be in our family now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> but even our exchange student, I didn't even realize how significant, and think about how that makes the person feel to be invited into this, because our exchange student from Thailand, we did our family photos, and she was in them, and when she posted them on Facebook, she was she had to translate for me, but she was saying all these friends are like, wow, you, they really think you're part of their family. Wow, they're treating you like you're part of their family and you're just their exchange student. Like all her friends who had been part of exchange student programs and must have had a different experience. And I'm not saying, oh, we're better than all parents because we let our exchange student be in our family photos. But it really meant a lot to this girl. that. But, and it meant so much to us too. Yeah, and she's still our daughter. I'm like, why wouldn't I want her to be in our family photos? Because she was she's only our like daughter. four years younger than you at the time. <laughs> No, um, but that's the funny thing too is, um, yeah, motherhood doesn't have to be. That's kind of what we are getting from this episode. Like even estranged mothers are mothers. They're just, and I believe in restoration. I've yeah. seen it in your family. I've seen it in lots of relationships. So mm-hmm. if you're a mother that doesn't have a relationship with your child right now, maybe it's a, something you did or something they did. Just pray because the Lord. Once he created families, yeah. he wants us to be in families. I'm looking at Rachel's sign. She has it says God places the lonely in families. Yeah, and you know, so I'm I'm sorry if you're struggling with that um, estranged motherhood. Oh, and that kind of leads to the next one, which is um, women who want to be mothers and are not mothers yet. Mm-hmm. And this is one I can relate with because it's a really hard holiday for. Oh, yeah. Either women who have um, had miscarriages and who are trying. Like, this holiday is so hard for them. And I know that because I'm one of those women. I am so blessed that I have my daughter that I've adopted. But my husband and I have struggled with infertility for almost coming up on eight years. Mm. Um, And so eight years, because we've been together almost nine years. One year we were separated. So eight years... Of struggling with infertility because right once we got married I was like let's have kids right away like I did not want to wait and we and then year after year I was like oh there must be something wrong here but so I understand those moms who every Mother's Day because then they're also seeing post after post after post I think even social media might not be the healthiest thing for women who are struggling at this time with this because yeah, on Mother's Day, you open up your Facebook or you open up your Instagram, you open up and it's just video and picture after picture after picture of people honoring their mothers or talking about how great it is to be a mom and that can be so hard. Yeah, I, I don't know. I struggle with this too because part of me wants to just like bury my head in the sand because there were four years at our church they give... Um, um, roses to the prospective mothers and mothers and grandmothers on Mother's Day, and for four years I got a rose because we were prospective we parents because we were adopting. But and and it was this bittersweet thing. Like I really appreciated that our church saw me as a as like an expectant mother, even though I wasn't pregnant. But then it also was really hard. I took that rose home and I prayed over you know, our child, but it was, it was four long years of the adoption before I got to have my daughter in my arms. And yeah. that was, 
So was Mother's Day always really hard for you then when Mm -hmm. you'd have to celebrate Mother's Day? Especially the Mother's Day when we were matched with Serby, but we hadn't gone to get her yet. Mm -hmm. That was the hardest Mother's Day because in my heart, I was her mother. Yeah. But legally, and legally I was kind of her mother and like actually didn't have her Well, and you knew here's this baby that exists in the world. She is existing and she's someplace and she's being cared for by other people and there's that is she being well cared for or is she not being well cared for is she getting all the nutrition she needs is she like how did that feel when you're having all those questions how did you how did you ask for help how did you cope with all that knowing not well things? sometimes sometimes I uh, did unhealthy things like binged or you know yeah. like binged eating or um or I would just sit in my room for days at a time and not talk to people and and but you know but then also the Lord met me in those dark times and I kept myself busy I kept living my life I and then you know actually serving other people was what helped me honestly when I was in my and I'm kind of at that point again because we are adopting again and we're in the waiting and it's very hard and it's harder in some ways and easier in other ways it's harder because I know how beneficial and how much a kid can grow when they're in a healthy family. Because I saw how Servi just started thriving. Yeah. And she's um, doing amazing. But I also know that God's plan is perfect. His timing is perfect. And so, I don't know. I It's so hard because I have way more faith in this adoption. Um, and more hope and more like trusting God. But it's also more... I think the more you open your heart to God, the more open you are to being broken for the things that breaks the Lord's heart. God doesn't want a single child to live in an orphanage. Well, and I think for you now, you have this perspective. You walked into an orphanage specifically to pick your daughter up, put her in your arms, but you had to leave 30 other children in that orphanage. Like, that's heavy. And so you know you've been in an orphanage, you've walked in it. And I think for me, um and those were the kids that were lucky enough to be in an orphanage. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be too graphic, but I saw children starving in their mother's arms. Mm-hmm. And I walked, you know, and when we were in India, we tried to buy from those vendors as much as possible, but like you can't just like give people money because um, you can get mugged and there's some safety issues. But like I, I saw this like suit shop where they have these really expensive tailored suits and it was a shiny clean store and next door to it was a mother with her like infant that I had to take a double take. I didn't recognize it as an inf- the, the baby as an infant because mm. he was so malnourished and so skinny and he was naked. And then next to that on the other side was a shrine for a false god that had food in it Mm. and and I was like God what how do I fix this and the The Lord's like to pose of those images it's such a it's such a American thing too to be like I want to fix everything but it's like God's like no this is your your path my story in India is not done but like you know we did what we could while we were there Um, Like you were there for a specific mission. And mm -hmm. I think that's like when we went to Haiti, that's what they said to us too. Like you're going to walk out there and you're going to feel so overwhelmed, but you're here for a specific mission Mm -hmm. that God's called you to. And that mission was to bring your daughter home. Yeah. And we loved every person we could. And people didn't understand 
why we did what we did. Because in their culture, if you're poor, if you're starving, it's because you did something evil in your past life to deserve it. Mm. And so people don't feel bad for the poor. People don't feel bad for starving children. Um, they're Not everyone. Obviously, the people in her orphanage loved her and cared for her and combed her hair and kissed her and loved her and cried when she left. They, mm-hmm. they loved her so much. But they were happy for her. They wanted her to have a family. Yeah. And, and that's so. how I dealt with infertility. Like, you were talking about the waiting. How did I deal with, like, when you're infertility? Still in it, I mean. Well, yeah. And it's kind of like a thing that is ongoing. And it's still something that I struggle with. I mean, at the time, like, I have to give it to God a lot. Like, God, I give this to you. Because I go through, like, the emotional roller coasters that sometimes I'm like, I'm really okay with that. So I've accepted this. And then I'll go through phases where I'm like, God, I'm not okay with this. God, this is what I really want. Um, but women struggling with infertility hate to hear, why don't you just adopt? So don't ever say that to somebody. But being <laughs> yeah. somebody who's... Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh, but it's... No, it's I laugh true, because we... First been of all, there. people think that we adopted because of infertility. Personally, Zachary and I did not. And mm-hmm. neither did Lewis and I. When we first became foster parents, we didn't know that we were, like, struggling with infertility, you know? And so when we first became foster parents, it's just because we there was a child that... And you can go back and listen to our episode on how we became foster parents. There was a child who needed our home. And so we opened our home. And it was throughout the process of fostering that we realized, hey, we're not having any children. We're not able to get pregnant, you know. And when that struck and that hurt came, do you know what I did? Is just pour myself more into these kids and realize, okay, the Lord has brought these kids into my life for a reason. I'm not able to have children at this moment. I don't know if I ever will, but that's between whatever God wants to do. But pouring myself out to the kids who also were struggling with the fact they couldn't be with their families, they needed a mom, I needed a child. You know, the Lord did it in a beautiful way, brought these kids. And so what I would say to women, I know I've met so many women who struggle with infertility. You would be so surprised that all say, I don't want to adopt. I just want to have a baby biologically. And I don't want to take away from that because I understand I want that. I have that same desire, even though I have adopted. I have that same desire. But I will say adoption and when when I was pouring myself into foster care, it was so much easier coping because I was it takes the focus off of you and puts it onto your kids and I think one thing I would say is just make sure that you have wise counsel and everything because then when those babies or those children go home that's hard that's the hard part because then you're like okay here I am again without any children without so Mother's Day can be really hard but I also think about how hard Mother's Day must be for these kids in foster care too because not all memories are bad I know I follow this gal on social media who is a um, only does teens. She was a single woman who fostered teens for a long time. And she was fostering, like, I think an 11 or 12-year-old. And the girl accidentally called her mom. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I do that to my teachers sometimes, too. And the foster mom, and, you know, you were a foster mom, yeah. so, you know, you never make the kid yeah. It's not like, oh my gosh, have you seen Little Orphan Annie, that show, where the, the evil caretaker of the orphanage makes them say, we love you, Mrs. Hannigan. Yeah. That's like a form of abuse, in my opinion. Yeah. But you never force the child to love you. You don't foster to be loved. Yeah. You don't foster to be a mother. You foster to care for them. Yeah. And But a lot of times, they do end up calling you mom, mm-hmm. because you 
play the role for as mom for a while. Yeah. Well, so that gal was telling the story and she said they were, you know, at a restaurant and she's like, oh, you can call me whatever you want. Like, I'm not going to be offended. You, if whatever you're comfortable with. And so then they were walking down the street and she said, can I pretend you're my mom and we can walk down the street and hold hands? And she said, yeah, of course. And they held hands, and she went up to every person on the street and was like, this is my mom. And she said, it was nice to just pretend for a while. Yeah. And she's like, you know, it broke her heart because she's like, it wasn't this thing that made me feel good. Yeah. She's like, it broke my heart that I had to be that. But this single woman, we're going to talk about single women and aunties and, Mm -hmm. and what their role in motherhood is too. I see this all the time. Our older women that have kids that have grown and we can talk more about adoption and foster care but I feel like we have so many episodes about that that um, I'll link the ones about foster care yeah um, I did want to say one more thing about a kiddo before we move when on. you were talking because it reminded me of that story when you were talking about them holding hands I had a little boy who was so attached to his mother and he was always worried about her and so of course I would never expect kids a lot of them did end up calling me mom but it was never something I required I would say the same thing call me whatever you want just don't call me late for dinner that was kind <laughs> of my joke or they mama Rachel or yeah one yeah. of them called me his sister mom and he would tell his friends he's like that's my sister mom and he would tell him I was his sister, but I was also his mom. Mm-hmm. And so it just, I don't know why, it just made him feel more comfortable. But this little boy one night, he was going to bed, and I said, okay, good night, I love you. And he comes back out, like, really sheepish, and he kind of looks at me, and he was like, I want to say that I love you too, but I'm having a hard time with it. And I said, oh, that's okay. I said, you don't have to tell me you love me back. I said, I'll say it to you every night because I do love you and I want you to have sweet dreams. And he goes, well, I just, I don't want to make my mom feel bad if she thinks I'm telling another mom that I love her too. And I told him, I said, honey, you know what? There is so much love in this world to go around that you can love your mom, you can love me. And I said, but you know what? If you don't want to tell me it, I'll just know. And I said, so when I say goodnight, I love you, and you want to say it back, but you don't want to hurt your mom's feelings, you could just say like, okay, and I'll know that that's you saying I love you too. And you don't have to hurt your mom's feelings that way. And so we just kind of came up with our own language. And so the next night I was like, okay, goodnight, I love you. And he goes, okay. And for me, that was me knowing him saying, I love you too, but without that heavy guilt, which is so sad, like like kids will take that on, but he loved his mom so much that he didn't want to, he felt like he was betraying her by... When your purpose of being a foster mom was not to get love, yeah. was not to be loved, you know, we see this actually in the adoption community, teen moms, um, uh, girls that were adopted mm-hmm. will have kids very young or as teenagers because they want a biological connection. Yeah. But what a lot of them learn is it's the same. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, but a teen, a lot of the problem, I, you know, I do, everyone has seen the teen mom show, which is just ridiculous and not reality. But yeah. a lot of young girls that are traumatized or have really hard lives, a lot of them will get pregnant really early because they want some. Ooh. What was that? I thought we were being attacked, but uh, the (laughs) the helmet just fell off the wall. It was hung up. Oh. My heart. Well, I did. But, yeah, but they, I was reading and they were telling, that's a a risk of, um, sometimes if you're raising a child that comes from trauma, a risk is that it's teen pregnancy because they want that biological connection and also 
they want something that will love them unconditionally. And so teens will get pregnant to have a baby that will love them unconditionally. But that's not fair to the child. Well, I did. The have child a... will love them unconditionally, but yeah, but they need to be able to love the child. It's motherhood is, and a lot of them learn that the hard way. Yeah, but it's well. I, I did have a teen in my home that wanted to get pregnant, and she even like came off of like birth control, which I have my own things about that. Like I don't think teenagers should be on it anyways. But like she purposely wanted to get off birth control, get off all that it's because her and she even said like I want to get pregnant, and. It was her and I sat down and we had a long talk and one of the things I had said to her, I said, what kind of life do you want for your child? And she, you know, she named off all these things like, oh, I want this. And I said, do you honestly think even if you worked so hard, worked through school, had a job and gave your child everything you did, would you be able to give your child this life? She was like, no. And I was like, and think about what kind of dad you're giving to your child. Like, I think that's what teenagers don't think about, too. If you have a child with someone, you're kind of stuck with them the And no one's mature life. enough at 16 to mm-hmm. have, you know, at least in our culture, to have children. And um, so, yeah, there's those kinds of moms. But that's, that's talking about foster and adoptive. I think um, for us, we just realized it just... It is the same, and yeah, I, my heart goes same. out to to women who are are sad this Mother's Day because the other reason we're going to talk about before we get into um, I do want to talk about aunties and single moms and uh, and um, single women that play motherly roles because I do think that's so important. But I wanted to talk about bereavement, and this yeah. kind of goes with infertility, but people who have experienced infant loss, so either stillborn. Um, miscarriage or um, anything like that or even if you have had an abortion and maybe regret it later because I mean we're we're very clear we are pro-adoption we are pro-life pro-life we we pro taking care of families after babies here yeah one of those people that are like just pro-pregnancy we're pro-life for the whole kids life there for the mothers after they they give birth but um maybe you've lost a child we have our sister we talked about um her son our nephew fought his fight for 10 years against his illness and he passed away last year and uh he's with jesus and he's not in pain anymore but she she'll never be the same yeah and even though she has three other kids like mother's day is gonna come up for her and she's missing one of her children. And mm-hmm. I will never be able to ever understand the kind of pain that must bring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and trying to help your other children through the loss of a brother. And then also, you know, I can't imagine my life without my, my child. And oh. it's just, you know, we live in this broken world. And, um, and we have to remember, like, it's not supposed to be this way. Like, God made this perfect world for us, and there was no death. Mm-hmm. And when sin was brought into the world, death was brought into the world. But the beautiful thing is, for all these mothers, even I believe mothers who lost their children, even if they were only eight weeks along, or early pregnancies, I believe they'll see those children in heaven. I believe yeah. some will like come to heaven and be like, oh, I didn't even know I had this child because they had such an early miscarriage. You know what I mean? I just think like mothers who've lost 
their children, mm-hmm. what a reunion that's going to be in heaven someday. Well, in science, we know that like our DNA is stamped on us from the second we're conceived. And we God knows exactly the person we're going to be yeah. before our mother even knows she's carrying us. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think that's the miracle. And, and death was not part of God's original plan. Yeah. We weren't supposed to lose our children. Mm. And so it's one of those things we live with on this side of paradise. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm so excited to see my nephew again um, someday. I know he's in heaven and I have peace, but I can't imagine the mothers that are. And that's, you know, maybe reach out to someone you know who's struggling this Mother's Day um, with estrangement or, or the loss of a child or infertility. Yeah, or, and I, I would even say don't reach out with advice or with, just with like encouragement, but not even like, oh, everything's supposed to happen for a reason or all in good, like just encouragement, just as you know, you're loved by God. Yeah, and I love you. And we will, we will never be able to understand. And I can't, and I'm not going to try to understand what you're going through, but just know that I love you when I'm here. Well, something that I appreciated, you know, it's not the same thing because it wasn't death, but I definitely had to grieve it, was we were adopting from um, Ethiopia and we had paid for the entire adoption, which the money, it was nothing. I mean, it was thousands and thousands of dollars, but I didn't even think about the money until days later. But um, we had paid for everything. We were so excited. We were ready to be matched. And the country closed. Oh. And now the country is having a horrible famine and civil war and just atrocities of humankind are happening. And, like, I had dreams about my little Ethiopian baby in my arms. And mm-hmm. that dream was destroyed. And I, you know, we, it was a time of grieving for us. And yeah. what are we going to do? And God, did we misunderstand your calling for us? Were we supposed to do something else? And um, our pastor, I so appreciate it because I think, you know, miscarriage actually, I mean, a lot of women do experience it and they... It's a very physical experience It's a very physical and um, so me, I didn't even want to put myself in that category because I was like, it's not even the same thing at all. It wasn't even a failed, it was a failed adoption, but it wasn't like we were matched with a specific child and we lost that child. It was, it was just the... You know, but our pastor said, hey, I, I want you to take a good amount of time and grieve this. Don't just try to move on to the next thing. She's like, treat it like as if you had had a miscarriage. And I know with a miscarriage, there's physical things that you are healing yeah. from. But it was a miscarriage of justice, first of all, because all those children that had families lined up for them were not going to get their families now. And they are in a war-torn country with, with the worst atrocities happening. And... It's like the world's forgotten Ethiopia and they're just suffering and those kids who could have had families are but you growing know, up in a war zone. I think what's hard is a loss is a loss, you know, mm-hmm. and you have to grieve and take time to grieve those losses. You know, we fostered these kids for two years, a sibling group. The youngest we only fostered for five months. But when I will never, I still have the memory of the two-year-old who only knew me as mom and so pretty much I'm giving him over to these strangers that he had visits with a couple times a week and a few overnights, and then boom, they're back with mom and dad. And it was a successful reunification. It was a reunification that needed to happen. But I had to walk down the hallway back because um, they were in kind of like a facility thing, and I remember I just walked and it echoed, and I could hear him screaming like, Mom, For you. Mom, don't leave 
me And to mom. him, you were mom. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, of course, I was sad, but my heart was breaking for his loss. Like, he gets to be with his family now, and they're good, and I know he's healed. Well, I don't know how much he's healed from that trauma. That's something that maybe, I mean, he was only two at the time. and But having to walk away and hear his cries all the way down the hallway, crying for his mom, while his parents are literally holding on to him because he was trying to run out the door. And then um, that was just so heartbreaking because he knew like this is this is this that for him that's my mom and she just walked away from me and abandoned me and it's like I don't know how much he'll understand that if his own parents explained it to him like hey no she wasn't your mom she was you know she had nothing to do with that decision to leave you because I just loved that child but and even was a couple months later, his older brother, I had taken him swimming with us. And that's the nice thing is they still let me be in the kids' lives. And But even after a while, you slowly had to be. Yeah. And completely. this conversation made me realize, like, I need to really step back out of these kids' lives because it's not healthy for them. It's not healthy. Like, they need to bond with their biological parents again to make this reunification work. And we had gone swimming and we we're on our way back home. And he just asked me, he says, because um, we had just adopted Ariana. Well, so actually, he'd been out of my home for a while because we had just adopted Ariana, and I picked him up to go swimming. Oh, sorry, I have this wrong. No, we were talking about adopting Ariana. So Ariana was in the car. It's confusing. You had like 26 yeah. kids in four years. <laughs> yeah, because she was still a baby then. So she was in the car, and he asked me, he said, are you going to adopt Ariana? And I said, well, that's the plan. We'll see what the Lord works out. But that's kind of our plan is that we're working on adopting her. And he said, why didn't you adopt me? And with, like, I was trying to hold in, like, not just so- break down sobbing. And I just got to tell him, I said, because, I said, Ariana's mom is not able to take care of her. And that's really sad. But God worked it out to find a mama who could. And I said, you have a mom who loves you. And she had to fight really hard to get you back in her home. And he said he's like but she she only loves me a little bit but you love me a lot and it's like no honey your mom loves you so so much and it was just so hard to try to have that kiddo understand like so i guess where i'm going with this is like you have it's grief you have to grieve this loss and not only was it a loss for you it was a loss for kids even though i didn't go through like a physical death and i'm not trying to say here like i i should be just as sad as a mother who's lost their kid it's you lose you have to grieve a loss like and honestly yeah and we we've seen our sister in the last year and a half just lose a part of her after 10 years of fighting for her son and just like not knowing who she is and she's still figuring out and just praying that the Lord just captures her and gives her peace and comfort because, um, but it's hard the way, you know, we want people to grieve a certain way and we can't make yeah. them. But this is her last Mother's Day, I think was hard, but they were still in the like the shock of the grief because yeah. it had just happened. But this motherhood, Mother's Day is going to be really hard because... I think that she'll have a lot more of her, like she, it won't be as much of a shock. 
and so that's why I say if you they know they were in like serious survival mode at that point oh yeah if you know moms who've had a miscarriage who've lost their kids like I think sometimes we get kind of afraid just to say something to people because we don't we don't want to say the wrong thing or we but just even letting them be like hey I'm here for you I love you and I love you well and so that kind of leads to the next type of mother which is birth mothers and we are going to talk about some <laughs> happy stories too I know yeah. we've kind of gotten on a, a sad um tangent but birth mothers for us we've learned that a lot of birth mothers actually like it's not this sad story that they just the rest of their lives they're super sad because they placed a child for adoption no it's a it's it's not ideal of course god would want a child born to the family to stay with that family but if a kid can't be in that family for whatever reason you know it's actually a myth that most like adoptions domestically or from like teen moms mm-hmm. it's a lot of people like a mom who's had five kids and she can't afford another child or women who are in abusive relationships yeah. and they can't bring another child into that home and so they place them for adoption or um you know there's cases of of uh this might be triggering to some people but rape um or incest where um, they can't raise that child. And mm-hmm. so someone else who's better equipped for it steps up and does it. And not to be like, ooh, we're amazing. No, it's blessings to everyone. Like Rachel said earlier, like a child needed a family. A family wanted and needed a child. And God did this beautiful thing called adoption and took something really sad and made it beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of these women do get to go on and have families later and and we know several women that are birth mothers that made a very difficult decision but they chose to have their baby they chose to give their baby a life and they chose to give their baby a chance and their kids are thriving i know adult adoptees that and they even a lot of them that had open adoptions that knew their biological parents and just like yeah she's kind of like a cousin that i see every couple of years and I, you know, I love her, but she's not like, I'm not close to her. She's like, my mom, my adoptive mom is my mom. Yeah. You know? Well, and we even, I know an adoptive mama who placed her daughter up for adoption. And at the time she said, I was not able to raise this child. And now she is a mom and she's a good mom and she dedicates all her time to her child. But she knows that she wouldn't be able to be the mom she is to her child she has now if she hadn't chosen adoption. And she could have chosen an abortion and made it easier on her and not have to carry a baby for nine months. But she chose life for her child. And the beautiful thing, the family that her child ended up going to was a mother who wanted to have a baby, um, found out that she had cancer and had to completely lose all of her like all of her feminine that would be able to make her reproduce she lost all of that and so she wanted a baby so badly and so they were able to have this gift of a daughter because her birth mom chose right chose life for her yeah and we'll probably i don't know we'll probably do an episode it's a very controversial topic and we we are careful about how we talk about it because we know it's so dividing but we appreciate birth moms because they chose to give life yeah and like i don't know anything about my daughter's birth family all we know is that they were in dire dire circumstances and you know Servi was born blind 
And in India, like I was telling you guys earlier, there's like children starving in their mother's arms. And they had to give their child another chance at life. And Serbia is the, like one of the biggest blessings of my life. I can't imagine life without my daughter. And we get to love her and provide, she would have never gotten all the medical care she gets here. She wouldn't have, she wouldn't get to like every day she wakes up and asks me to go swimming or go to school or both, (laughs) you know? And it's like, that would not have been her life in India. And she might not have even made it past childhood. Yeah. That, that if you are not adopted by a certain age in India, like your chance of making it to adulthood, it's low. Child yeah. mortality in other countries is well, and there's much higher than unspeakable things that happen to girls, especially. Mm-hmm. You know, they get trafficked. They get and and especially a girl with special needs and who's vulnerable. And so I just know that God put her in our path. And I just can't imagine, but I think every, so birth Mother's Day is the day before, um, is the day before Mother's Day. And we always post something on our website and just, we thank birth moms. If you are a birth mom, you're so brave. What you did, I'm sorry, get really emotional because I wouldn't be a mom if it weren't for a birth mom who carried my daughter in her womb for nine months and then cared for her the best she could when she had her. Yeah. And how we read that scripture that says you were knit together in your mother's womb. And we talk about, well, it wasn't my womb. I'm your mom, but another mom helped you get here. Ariana calls her biological mother, her tummy mommy. Yeah. And for me, I just, I'll always remember that conversation, like of Ariana's biological mother asking, will Jesus still love me if I give up my child? And it's like, yes, because you're giving your child the best chance. Like, Jesus is the only one who will understand because he gave his only son. That's true. So, I mean, we really honor birth mo- mothers. And I think a lot of people do have, like, kind of a stigma Yeah, they think they're moms. evil or drug addicts or, you know, they have a lot of, like, they villainize them. But if you think about it, they made a very difficult choice and for... They did something selfless for their child. Yeah. I actually just read a book called River Children, and it's really, I'll really good. Yeah, we'll lo- link it in the show notes. But it's just kind of that same. It wasn't some teenage mom on drugs. It was a woman that had already. It was by Catherine Woods. But it was a woman who. And it's a true story. So it's her own vulnerable story that she shares with the world. And I think it's so good to see that perspective because she already had two children. She was in an unhealthy relationship and she knew that she was going to need to leave this man. And she was like, I'm not going to be able to be a single mom to three kids. I know. Like she knew what her capacity was and she brought her daughter and I don't want to do any more spoilers because the book is so good. So you just need to read it. But that was somebody who... Even she says in her book at one point, like, I, how can people understand why I'm doing this? Because it's like, I'm already a mom. I'm in my 30s. You know, it's like people would be like, I can't believe she did that. But she knew what capacity and she was able to raise her children in a strong home to adulthood. And she just knew. So I just, we really just honor birth moms because they are so special. But I would highly recommend even people who aren't involved in the adoption community to read that book because I think it's so good to see yeah. the perspective. Even before I was in the adoption community, my view of birth moms was pretty, I vilified them in my mind. They're mm-hmm. the bad guys. And they're not. They're a part of a broken world. And a lot of times they're victims too. Yeah. A lot of times they're victims of, of abuse and... 
And so it's like compassion all around. And then like thanking them because they gave their children life. Yeah. They could have done selfish things. A lot of parts about motherhood that are bittersweet. And yeah. we're reminded of those things. Like our mother just lost her mother yeah. last year. Was it last year or this year? This year. Oh my gosh, yeah. I don't even know what year it is, people. Oh, December, so last year. So right. yeah, just before the year changed. But she, um, uh, she, you know, so this will be her first Mother's Day without her. And, well, maybe you have a mother who is in heaven or um, or they have dementia and so they don't recognize you or... Um, so there are a lot of hard things, but we want to finish off the episode talking about, um, uh, other types of mothers too. So, um, we wanted to talk about stepmoms because I think stepmoms are so amazing and, um, because it's kind of adoption because some step stepmoms adopt their stepkids and some don't. I've heard them called stepmoms or bonus moms or my extra mom, um, but yeah, I think that a stepmom, stepmoms are amazing. I just, you know, because they're kind of in the like regular mom and then also like adoptive mom because they love children that aren't their own. So maybe their their spouse was married before or had a, um, I think, I mean, there obviously are people who had like a spouse pass away, but I think more often than not nowadays it's divorce is yeah. the reason. So making something beautiful out of something that was broken. I love the wedding ceremonies where they bring the kids up that are like the kids from the previous marriage or whatever mm-hmm. and make them a part of like the wedding ceremony. Like we are getting married, but you're, we're all becoming a family. Yeah. And I think it's even more difficult sometimes as a stepmom because you do have another mother and you want to raise your kids a certain way, and she wants to raise her kids a certain way, and sometimes you're co-parenting with someone you never chose to be in a relationship with. Yeah. So I mean, it's hard enough co like parenting with like the man you chose to marry. Yeah. You know, much less a woman that he used to be married to. Yeah. And well, so we definitely want to honor stepmoms because they brought that role into their lives. And, and they also get kind of a bad rap. I feel like Cinderella movies, just really gave Cinder- stepmoms the bad rap. Cinderella ruined stepmoms for eternity because <laughs> I do think they um, do a very hard role, which, and sometimes they have to be a, a mom to kids that don't even have a relationship with their biological mom. And they have to be that. And that's a lot of, a lot of uh, pressure. And then, you know, if they have more kids after they get married, then there's stepkids that are half siblings, and there's there's so yours, many things. yours, mine, and ours. Situation. Yeah, and you have to like figure out how to love each other and how to raise kids, and it, it's it's messy. And I I've seen Christian families that do it with so much grace, and yeah. they inspire me every day. And it's not easy, and I just I my my hat goes off to those women because I mm-hmm. think that they're amazing. And kind of along that same route, single moms. Mm-hmm. I mean, you did it for a year when you were separated from your husband. Yeah. But moms that do it on their own. That year was, like, so hard because then you, like, go to work. Then you have to be the full provider. You have to do all the parenting stuff. Now I'm like, how did I even? I mean, I had you and Zach and I had our church family, but sometimes I'm like. But at the end of the night, you were alone. Yeah. Like, you know, marriage, 
I, we got this card and it's kind of cheesy, but I think about it often. We got at our wedding that said marriage multiplies your joys and divides your sorrows. Mm. And it's true. Like when I was grieving my nephew passing away, my husband carried some of my grief with me. Yeah. And sometimes I'd be like, today I don't have it in me to do much. And he's like, okay, I'll do it all. And same with when his sister passed away. She died really young. I think she was 31. And he just went and was in a room by himself for like a week. And I just went in and and just did my best to be there for him. But he just, he needed to be alone. And I fielded all the calls for him and, and just did a lot of stuff for him during that time. And I carried the load at that mm-hmm. time because the grief was too heavy for him to carry it by himself. And I just think about women who are single Maybe they've never been married or maybe they're divorced or their husband left them or, or, you know, or they're fighting for custody of an unfit, you know, father or whatever. The single mom, they're grieving something. Mm-hmm. They're grieving. Most people have like a plan for their life and they, they don't want their kids to grow up without a dad. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not usually part of someone's plan. Maybe some people, but, you know, we believe that the best, like we believe, I don't want to say the best because it sounds really judgmental, but. You know, God created it a certain way because he knew that it's too much for women to do alone. Well, there's protection inside a family. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing is there's protection with a family, like the way that God designed it. Well, that's why I love if you don't have a spouse and you're a single mom, like our church comes and we become that. Mm-hmm. And men in the church help you raise your kids as fatherly figures. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I love about... so. Um, you can adopt as a single woman in most countries, mm-hmm. but you have to prove that there will be a fatherly influence. So like a grandfather mm-hmm. is going to be in the kid's life or a man that's in the life of the child every day because even the adoption agencies recognize that, yeah, a mother can raise her kid without a father and they do amazing. Kids that are raised by single moms are scrappy. They yeah. can like, they're the people starting their own businesses and, and running the world, but... um. There's also something to be said for having those male influences in your life. And fatherlessness is a pandemic in this country. I really feel yeah. like we have so many fatherless kids. And that's a sadness. And if you're a single mom this Mother's Day, you are amazing. Yeah. And you're enough for your kids. I think that's another thing single moms feel a lot is they, oh, I could do more. I could do more. I could do. And they see the stay-at-home mom who has all this time to, like, bring cupcakes to the class and and the working single mom, because you're right, you have to be everything. You have to be the provider, the nurturer, the disciplinarian, the choice maker. Making choices by yourself is stressful, isn't it? Yeah, and you are the one who worries about all the things, but I think one thing for single moms is just to know that the Lord becomes your husband. A single mom that I know, she told me, she's like, I finally had to accept that the Lord is my husband for now, and that he'll provide a husband one day, but for now... He is my Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. He's my, but I mean, I guess like the reason even bringing up single moms topic is just to know, like we see you, we admire you, and we hope that somebody buys you a present since you don't have a husband to take your kid out and get a present. So we hope that you still get presents on Mother's Day. At least like a handprint from, from Sunday school. Yeah. You'll have the Sunday school kids do that. But yeah, we, and we love you. We and reach out. Let other people be your extra arms because mm-hmm. that's the thing is I think most people want to help, but they just don't know how. Yeah. They really don't. And when that kind of leads to like the single women, the aunties, 
I say auntie, like your auntie and uncle in Bel Air. Yeah. <laughs> but um, our little sister, she's the only one who's not married. And, but she is like aunt of the year. Yeah. She, um, when our nephew was really sick at the end, she was there every day. She took a month off of work to help my sister out. Well, even rewind 10 years ago, she was a college athlete. She was going to school. She had a full ride scholarship. You know, all these things. Like, her life was just beginning as a... Um, gosh, so she was, like, pretty successful as a just starting out 18-year-old. And she decided to drop everything. You know, one thing she told me, she's like, well, when it came to the athletic stuff... And she loved track and field. Like, she, she lived really for track and too. field. And she just loved having all the friends from it. And, I mean, it was a lot of pressure and a lot of work. Like, you're constantly going and going. You work out for, like... Two it's or three your hours a day. Job, yeah. But she told me, I remember like I just had so much respect for her because I was like, you're giving up a lot because she dropped everything to go move down to Arizona to be with our sister. And she lived with them for six months and worked at like a factory and yeah, she, I mean, now she's a very successful in her career. She's a police officer now and she's very successful and she stayed down in Arizona and, um, so she can be there. She is there for my sister when she needs and her. And our sister is a single mom. And so like she's an amazing extra yeah. parent to the kids. And even though she's an aunt, she's really been more like a sister or even like a, another mother, a second figure. mother figure. Yeah. Because they needed that. Cause their mother kind of, was lost in her grief mm-hmm. but they needed another adult to take care of them and and our sister stepped in and did that well and it's interesting because i remember one time asking her i was like oh my goodness you're gonna give up your athletic career and to me i felt like that's so huge and i remember her just telling me she's like you know i can play track and field i don't know if you even say play she's like i can do track and field for the rest of my college career and then what's after that she's like it's not like I'm gonna go on to the Olympics or make a career out of it she's like but right now my nephew and my sister needs me so I just thought that was so noble of her and I think about all the women that sacrifice for other people's children and I think about like I know several single women in our church that like babysit for free and like just help young mothers and even our teen girls that and it's so good because it's teaching them all these important life skills, but they come and help. We have some girls that come and help us in the summer when they're not going to school. Yeah. And, um, but I think of specifically Servi's water therapist. Actually, she has been on the podcast before, um, but she, I'll link it in the show notes, but she is kind of like another, she's not a parent, but I can like bounce parenting ideas off of her because she has a degree in how to work with kids with special needs. And she does it for a living all day long. Cause she's a water therapist. And she works in our children's ministry mm-hmm. and like she has just taken on the motherhood role of a lot of kids. And she prays for my daughter and she loves my daughter. And she's, I feel like she's not one of those single women. She's like, yeah, I really want to get married and I want to have my own family, but like, this is where God has me now. And so I'm going to give everything now. And she gives her whole heart to ministry and she gives her whole, her whole life to her job. And I just, I admire her, even though she's not like a mom, she is a supporter of mothers. You know, I was just thinking about that. She's like an aunt to a lot of our kids. We have quite a few single moms and single women in the children's ministry, all the way from the nursery up to the, um, high schoolers single moms are like single women that just help both yeah. single moms there's quite a few single moms that i personally work with and there's single moms who work in the high school and so because they ha- they 
are able to like pour all of that into their kids. And then I've known, I know a mother who never was able to have, I don't know if it was never wanted to or was ever able to, but just didn't ever have kids and is married, but didn't get married till later in life and has poured out two hundreds of children. Now she's like the grandma to and the auntie to a lot of, you know, kids. And I even think about single moms, but like kind of going back to that, but like, women who have men that are on deployment yeah or men that leave for jobs for a long period of time or have to work a lot so it feels like you know or whatever your situation is um we know a couple like we we know someone who while their husband was on deployment um one of the guys in our church would just go and mow her lawn and like she could mow the lawn fine but she was raising this kid and a lot of the like the young adults would babysit her kid because normally like all the moms would go to a brunch and the husbands would babysit well if you're a single mom or your husband's on deployment you don't have anyone to babysit you know and anniversaries are really hard and valentine's day is really hard Mm -hmm. you know and so i feel like we're all in this motherhood thing together Mm -hmm. and i absolutely love um the the single women who um Kind use of, their singleness to mm-hmm. pour into others' lives. And it kind of leads me to empty nesters, mm-hmm. um, which is people who raise their kids and they're gone now. And now, you know, a lot of them are grandparents and kind of have grandparents, but a lot of us don't live near our grandparents anymore. Yeah. And so something I love is like people in our church will like adopt like grandkids in the church if their grandkids live far away. Mm-hmm. And like we know someone who they just go over to their, their fake grandma and grandpas. It's, it's kind of a joke, but you know, they're extra grandma and grandpas and they have a date night and they get to go be with, um, and it's good for the older people in the church because they, they still have a purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, I think what people, what we've lost as a society is like, if any part of the Bible, if you read through the Bible, people try to misconstrue it and just say, because there was a generation of kids should be seen and not heard and kids are not valuable. But, like, everything you read in the Bible is about the next generation. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, it's all about pouring into the next generation. So it doesn't matter if you're a single mom, if you're married and you have children, or you're this, or you're a grandma, or you're, you know, the point is, is that we're all called to invest in the next generation. Mm -hmm. And so go find that person, even the young adult. Like my mom did, who took that young adult under her wing and taught her how to cook, taught her how to clean, taught her, like made this devotional. Like you can go out and be that mom to those different people. You can go and find those and ask the Lord to keep your heart open and say, okay, Lord, where can I invest in the next generation? Where can I be a mom? And you don't have to like, maybe it's a once a week thing. You watch someone's kids so they can have a date night or you get to be a grandma once a week. Well, I know even our daughter, like both Natalie and I's parents, for Ariana, like both her grandparents live far away on both sides. Like Lewis's parents are like seven hours away. My parents live all the way in Arizona. So she rarely gets to see her grandparents. But we have a couple in a church that love her to death and she even calls the dad papa phil she's like oh papa like when she sees him and um they've had us over for their home and she gets excited for to see them and they've just kind of taken on an extra grandparent role for her and and then natalie's in-laws live a little bit closer and she calls her natalie's mother-in-law nana and she sends her gifts on easter and her birthday and so i mean i just think it's so sweet 
that there's this just love like there's there can't be too much love in a child's life you mm-hmm. know you can't have too many people loving on them you know and i love i love all these moms i think um there is um a type of adoption that's kind of weird um but there's like there's kids that are about to age out of um sorry i didn't know that'd be so loud I'm not editing that out. Okay. Rachel's pouring coffee. <laughs> She's looking at me so guiltily. <laughs> I didn't think it would be that loud. But there is a type of adoption where, and sometimes there'll be people who are empty nesters that, that, um, and they'll do like respite, which is like where they'll babysit foster kids on the weekends so mm-hmm. that um, people can get a weekend away. Or um, it's not adoption, but you're, you're licensed foster care parents but you are you only take kids short term. Yeah, you don't you don't ever do long term. It's only emergency placements and you get to have them for a short time, but you give them love and you help them on to the next step. Or I know people that are empty nesters and they only foster teens and they just get teens and they try to give them the most love and help to they don't really become like and sometimes they'll even adopt them, which I think is really cool. But they yeah. don't, it's not the same as adopting someone quite young because they're almost adults, but you're getting them their last chance before adulthood to really get them set up. And it's not like you turn 18 and you're an adult. Like, we needed help with our parents adjusting to young adult oh, yeah. life. And so that's kind of a role they play for these. And then there's um, also international adoption where a lot of countries, kids age out at the age of 16. And they have to leave the orphanage at 16. Oh. And, and like, especially in the Philippines, like, they've had school. A lot of them speak English. And I see them all the time posted where they say, this 15-year-old boy, he's super polite. He's a Christian. He just wants a family. Like, if this you, is his last chance. This is his last chance. And you bring him over. You help him become U.S. citizens. And you don't have very much time with them mm-hmm. but the time you have is like one of the most influential times in their lives well one thing i love that a church did so i grew up in a college town and so i went to eastern washington university and there was a church there that worked specifically with their the so there was like a college campus youth group almost for young adults college students and they partnered with the church and a bunch of couples in the church adopted a college student and so it was college students that didn't have a place to go on Christmas or Thanksgiving mm. or couldn't afford to fly home or came from, like, maybe rockier home lives or even just, can I have a place to go do my laundry so I don't have to be stuck at the laundromat for hours? Mm-hmm. And the point was to disciple them. And I thought that program was so cool. So these college students, they would get to fill out an application, and then the church, they'd match them with a family. Mm-hmm. And you, we would hear so many beautiful stories about lifelong friendships. Like, this became their family. Yeah, and I love that. We have a couple families that do that at our church that um, have they're just families. And you're like, oh, and you think they're siblings or something? You realize, no, they're just, we love each other in the Lord, and we became a family that way. And I think that is so beautiful. And... And I know this kind of became kind of a heavy episode because, I mean, even if you think about the act of birth, I mean, I don't want to get too graphic here, but it's painful. It's painful. Like you'd know. I wouldn't. I'm just kidding. I've I've heard about it. I I wouldn't know. I literally have never given birth. Thank God. But the whole process of bringing a child into this world is all about sacrifice. Mm -hmm. It's all about pain. I mean, it's not all about pain. It's also about, like, beauty because it's worth the pain. But I think about Christ. He 
the the task set before him i'm paraphrasing here but basically the cross was worth it to him for the joy that was set before him and he was willing to die for us because the joy of saving our souls was worth it to him and i think oh no that is like so motherhood isn't it no matter how you find motherhood right we give everything to become mothers but for us it's for the joy set before us it's It's this beautiful thing and however motherhood finds you whether it's um you Single know, mom, adoption, foster care, the, step parenthood, yeah, grandparenthood, your child, <laughs> you know, foster care, um, birth. I know we forget like the obvious one. <laughs> yeah. You gave birth to a child. Um, what a lot of people do. <laughs> you know how all of us were born. Yeah. Every single you, you didn't get here without it happening. I think Adam and you were the only ones that weren't born. So, um, but just you know, I I just think that motherhood is so precious and there's so many special things about motherhood i love i think is it in isaiah that i'll have to look it up and put it in the show notes but um that um he gently guides those with young yeah and i, I just that. think the lord really understands us and no if you're hurting this mother's day if you're grieving this Mother's Day. If it's your first Mother's Day and you're just over the moon with that sweet baby and those sweet baby cuddles and smell and, like, no sleep. Yeah, but you're just, like, in a joyful season of motherhood. Um, but no matter what you're going through as a mother, like, just know that the Lord sees you and he loves you. And um, Your gosh. role. Do not underestimate your role. You're, yeah, mothers are so important. Because the greatest thing the greatest thing you may do in the kingdom of god is not something you do but somebody you raise i love that oh well let's end it on that i think that's beautiful thank you guys for listening we love you guys we love our mothers that are in our lives and we hope um, to have more consistent episodes coming up but we just appreciate those who listen when they come out (laughs) exactly well if you want to learn more about us check out the show notes and check out our social medias but we love you and happy mother's Mother's day